Hello everyone and welcome to the Squiggly Animation Podcast. Today's guest is legendary animator Richard Williams discussing his brand new short film Prologue. with me now of course is steve henderson steve how is the world treating you the world's treating me fine ben how are you i'm good my name is ben yes by the way i, I forgot to introduce myself in the last episode <laughs> i'm sure people know you by now you never know who's just sort of coming in for one episode at a time but we're more or less established i suppose as, as pests of the animation podcast world <laughs> and our inimitable style and our, uh, our delightful bon mots that go back and forth as we uh, as we dissect this wonderful industry. Yes. Are you ready to slice up some animation this week, Ben? Slice away. Slicing and dicing. It's been a pretty good squiggly week uh, since the last podcast. The uh, Bristol Festival of Puppetry came and went in the interim, and uh, good fun it was too. Mm. There's a bunch of coverage on the site as regards the events and screenings and retrospectives and... Uh, Q&As and whatnot. There weren't very many film screenings, if you were to say, compare it to a film festival, but as a quite wide-ranging festival that involves workshops and theatre, live action and installations and stuff like that. The short film and film was, was very well represented, mm-hmm. and the role of animation within uh, those films was also very well represented. Not everything was sort of brand spanking new. It was kind of a celebration, I think, of more sort of recent as opposed to like this year so within the last sort of three years so there's stuff sitting amongst brand new graduation films there's stuff like i am tom moody speaking of ainsley i finally got to see stems which um amazing film i think it's my favorite of his Mm -hmm. and it's nothing against the other films i just this one really kind of um it's really quite something the sound on top of everything else like the sound of the music yeah. The um, stills sort of do it justice. Like you can sort of get a, an idea of, of what's going on. But no, it really does have to kind of be seen to uh, to be fully appreciated. Well, how does it... He, he kind of turns you around in two minutes, or however long the film is. There's very few films that can do that, that take two minutes to have you think, oh, God, <laughs> mm. that's quite tragic. You know? <laughs> and to start with is such a sort of... Uh, it's a kind of slow burn. And then it speeds up and you're really sort of taken, you know, pulled along by the magic of, of animation and and uh, and then, you know, tragedy strikes. So a lot of fun stuff at the Puppet Festival. The Brothers Quay showed up. Oh, animation's favourite weirdos. How was that? That sounded like a fascinating talk then. It was actually uh, very interesting. They were... Oh, no, I can, ima- I can, I can completely imagine. Oh, I, I couldn't tell if you, if it was being uh, facetious or not. No, 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 so. no. Because <laughs> I know you're not exactly their biggest fan. I'm not their biggest fan, but you, you can appreciate what they do. You'd have to be a fan of somebody to appreciate what they achieve and you know what it is they actually produce. Mm, I suppose so. It's uh, like those people on uh, The Only Way is Essex. I'm not necessarily a fan of the show, but I appreciate the contribution to culture that they're making. Absolutely, well, absolutely, and we shouldn't um, shy away from discussing that contribution. But uh, back to the brothers, Quay. How was that? Great. They're very um, soft-spoken and kind of when you expect someone to be like an absolute weirdo, yeah. <laughs> based on the work they've done. Uh, sometimes they're kind of normal and articulate and um, thoughtful about their process. I remember when we first met Robert Morgan, 
Yes. Uh, I'd, I'd <laughs> spoken to him on the phone for an earlier podcast, but when we first actually sort of met him at his retrospective in Annecy, and, um, you know, that was when he was making some of the most f***ed up work of his career. And then we're all just sort of at the pub afterwards, he's showing us pictures of his new puppy. <laughs> just like, wait, we go from, like, people being skinned and mutilated and... Uh, melted and you know, chopped into bits. And well, no, when he was scrolling through those pictures of the puppy, I was wondering what picture was coming next. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 he's he's, a, he's an absolute charming man. Brothers Quay, I think, is more sort of uh, abstract uh, than outright horror. I mean, I think that certain people would find the films unsettling, but I don't necessarily think that their intention. And I think it's more like they just kind of roll with the punches, you know. They they do what they want. Mm-hmm. They kind of they they have that kind of Frank Meyer Lynch attitude of, what are we going to do today? Yeah, and uh, so it was an interesting talk. And uh, also, of course, uh, it wouldn't be a puppet festival without Mister Barry Purvis, who is uh, so reliable as a you know a person who can just get on stage and talk about his work. I've seen him do quite a few talks, and it's been a little while since the last one. In fact, the last one wasn't. Really, he wasn't the focus of it. I think you saw him at Edinburgh, right? Yes. Yeah, he was very... Uh, it was. It's his 60th birthday, isn't it? So there's a lot of celebration around that. It seemed to me that there was a, a real air of positivity. Good. About uh, the future and what may be. And um, you don't want to jinx anything, so I won't go into any sort of major detail. Obviously, I don't know any major, major details. But um, as far as what he was indicating... You know, there could be something really exciting on the horizon. Mm. He's very versatile as well. He's a lot more versatile than people think. He does a lot of children's TV as well. Um, you know, we did Rupert the Bear. And then, you know, he flies over to New Zealand and helps them animate King Kong, you know, for Peter Jackson. And he's not a one-trick pony, really. So not obviously able to to be present at the uh, festival. The late Ivor Wood was also given a retrospective screening. And that went down. That was really kind of good chicken soup for the soul. Mm. watching some of the this is something just very calming about all of his uh all of his shows uh tom sanders came down for that tom sanders who writes uh for us on occasion he wrote recently a very thorough three-part uh, article series on the career and sort of legacy of Ivor wood and he has a Ivor wood website essentially it's sort of dedicated to he is the Ivor wood expert it's nice to see you know the work of Ivor wood get a uh you know a, a, a much uh, needed celebration at um, at that particular festival. British children's animated television series is an area that I'm looking into on my PhD, and it's not really been focused upon as much as it deserves. On that note, another sort of develop for all our grousing and griping about the the endless parade of remakes. Uh, last week was the launch of the new Danger Mouse, mm. which seems to be the one that's gotten it right. Absolutely, and uh, you were you were able to. Uh, swing by that and your impressions I assume are quite strong yes yeah well there has been a couple of success stories recently obviously the clangers Mm -hmm. did a a wonderful job at um at preschool animation but to see I think see children's animation handled in such a a a way is tremendous and I, I think it's down to it must be down to a generational thing so the guys working on it at the moment are the guys who uh adored it growing up and so they would have they would have have treated it with the uh, respect that it deserved and wanted to create the same kind of experiences, the same joy, the same, um, you know, excitement and adventure as they would have had um, when they were when they were kids watching the show, the original Cosgrove Hall show. And um, every level of production uh, has been uh, 
handled with that in mind. We have a rather extensive uh, write-up of what to expect and what's on the table as far as the the new Danger Mouse Mm -hmm. is concerned to wet our audience's whistles. The, The other thing to say maybe about, I think, the reason why it's so successful, this new remake, if you compare it to the new Bob the Builder, you know, the people working on the new Bob the Builder aren't the people that grew up with Bob the Builder. No. You know. Well, I don't, you know, it is also when it's a preschool property, it's it's perhaps less precious. Well, like, they did the Clangers justice, but I think that's because they loved the Clangers, the people who worked on the Clangers. Yeah. You know, Factory and, and McKinnon and Saunders, those guys really sort of, you know, they got they saw this as the golden opportunity because they remembered it from when they were kids. To be honest, I don't think... Maybe because I was already a, like a teenager when the time, you know, Bob the Builder came out. But I just don't think Bob the Builder ever really... I, I know it was very popular. I just don't think it ever really held a candle to anything that, you know, Feminine Postgate did. They're more sort of tattooed on people's souls. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what you mean, but I'm going to have to disagree with you. And I think you'll find that in the next 10 so years that Bob the Builder will be remembered as... Uh, as fondly as the work of, um, you know, Furman and Postgate. Oh, we'll, we'll rediscuss in 10 years. Yes. And uh, if, if that proves to be the case, I will buy you a cappuccino. Oh, lovely. Which in 10 <laughs> years' time will be worth quite a lot of money. It'll be basically our entire currency system. <laughs> and the only thing that will have survived are podcasts. So you'll have this to hold over my head. Excellent. <laughs> So the uh, the new series of Danger Mouse, it starts uh, later this month, the 28th on CBBC. Keep your eyes and ears open, as uh, I think it's not going to be the last you'll hear from us on the subject. One of the other films from the festival that we have an interview up on uh, from a couple of years ago, it's finally been released online, uh, like two days after I saw it at the festival. And I was thinking when I was watching it, I was like, wow, this really is, it really is very good. It's, uh, but Milk is important. What had sort of struck me about seeing it again Having seen it, I think, three or four times, this last time around was just how effective the sound was and the music Mm. really contributes immeasurably to a film that I keep sort of remembering as being quite cute and uplifting. And every time I see it, I keep reminding myself, like, oh, no, it is actually kind of, like, claustrophobic. Yes. And there's a real sense of panic to it. And as much as, like, the character, the sort of representation of, you know, this guy's uh, need to overcome social anxiety that need sort of manifests itself as this kind of like fluffy snowball <laughs> with eyes. <laughs> you know, it has good intentions, but then as the film goes on and he actually, you know, it gets to crunch time, you know, he is still very daunted by the prospect. And then you really do get that sense of anxiety. Mm-hmm. It was a film that was also sort of recently um, hailed as a wonderful piece of work up, up in Cardiff. The composer, as it turns out, is a Cardiff resident. Uh, which I hadn't realised. I'd assumed that everyone involved in the production was from uh, was it Norway. It was from, yeah, Norway. Yeah, Norway. Uh, but uh, no, he's a he's a Cardiffian. Ah. On that sort of subject, I was at another event, sort of after the puppet festival kind of wrapped up. Uh, there are these Cardiff animation nights that happen every once in a while. And I really enjoyed it. I kind of needed to get out of the house. Cardiff is a pretty easy place to get to from where I am. So I just sort of figured, oh, well, this is happening. It'd be nice to see some old friends who are going to be there. And uh, But certainly some lovely people involved. Uh, and it's sort of evolving into something. It's going to become part of a sort of uh, local festival. And then who knows what will happen from there. So it's more good news in the sense of more opportunities for animation to be seen across the UK. 
worth uh, worth keeping one's eyes on. Mm. Do they have a Twitter? Yes, it's uh, at Animation Nights. Awesome. Everybody follow. Find out more. And uh, here in Bristol, of course, we have the Encounters Festival, uh, which is something that uh, I've been going to. I think, yeah, I think I've gone to all of them since I moved. So this will be like my ninth uh, Encounters Festival because it's literally like around the corner. Well, literally, it's around four corners. It's a bit of a zigzaggy. Hang on, so if it's around four corners, it's where you live. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> All this time, I could have just gone the other way. <laughs> uh, it's uh, based at, uh, well, not the Arnolfini this year. It's back at the watershed as it was last year. I think they're keeping everything pretty much isolated to the watershed as far as screenings are concerned. So, yes, I'm really looking forward to the Encounters Festival. It's got some uh, some really, you know, films that we're all familiar with, or certainly you and I are familiar with, uh, Annie Biscuit, uh, World of Tomorrow, uh, the, the, the others, <laughs> uh, and many, many others from people that we uh, we all really like. There's new stuff from uh, Andreas Heikade, uh Pretender, Mirai Mizu, uh, Isabel Favez, uh, Theodore Yushev, I think, has two new films playing. Constantine Bronzett's film that uh, you know everyone's going nuts over. Aidan McAteer, one-time Squiggly podcast contributor, has a film in. And he has his own podcast, The Flipped um, Irish Animation Podcast. And, of course, the uh, the people that we've had on the last couple of podcasts, Simon Cartwright and Nina Gantz, both have their films in. Ian Gardner from Edinburgh. And... Uh, Rather excitingly, the new film from Richard Williams. Richard Williams, how was he? Richard is great. He seems like he's in a uh, very good place, as I'm sure people will hear. As I think the world knows, anyone who kind of you know has that sort of basic knowledge of, of animation history and certainly um, his role in the industry, it hasn't always been uh, the smoothest ride. Mm-hmm. Although that's the same for everyone in the sense, like everyone who has kind of you know really been prominent. Some days are rainier than others, but the thorny production history of uh, Thief and the Cobbler mm-hmm. is, I think, one of the the legends of animation production nightmares and things like that. The way that's turned out, of course, is that uh, the original vision has been essentially restored. It's a nice way of putting that whole thing to bed. Uh, it's been presented, uh, I think, at the BFI. It was also presented at Annecy this year. Yeah, to uh, much enthusiasm. The idea, what 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 you know, Rich Williams had in mind was this this beautiful pantomime, mm. uh, as opposed to this sort of wise cracking, you know, gag filled script. You know, it's uh, uh, which is great in some places, but um, you know, it wasn't wasn't Mr. Williams' vision. But as you say, it's been that's now been put to bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard Williams is back with with Prologue, a short film which promises uh, of a feature. I remember when you interviewed him last and the the working title for the feature uh, was Will I Ever Finish This? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Of course, I think we all hope that he does. But certainly that it is born, you know, this short film is a kind of offshoot of it. uh, Well, everyone, I think, is just universally delighted by it. Um, you'll hear later on the sort of comments he's received from the people at Ardmond and the uh, the reception at Annecy and stuff like that. Kieran Argo, the programmer for Encounters, who uh, I'll be talking to a little later on in the podcast, he's astounded by it. I think he's and he's a man who watches animation pretty much all the time. It's sort of a big part of what his <laughs> his job is. And I imagine when you're like your job is to be an animation you know curator programmer, it really does take something special to kind of like you know jolt you awake if you know what i mean 
Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's definitely been jolted by this film. Yeah, so I, I think expectations are high and, and everyone going by the sort of scuttlebutt expectations are being met. So that's uh, mm-hmm. something to look forward to in Encounters. Of course, it, uh, it is playing uh, elsewhere at other festivals. But How nice that we can talk about Richard Williams' new work now, mm. finally. That's such a such a big step for like the whole Richard Williams discussion. Certainly, his whole attitude is, now that I've done something new, I'm not going to stop. Maybe the same process of making this longer film will lead to other short films or excerpts or things that can sort of offshoot from it. Maybe there'll be more sort of completely original, sort of separate stuff, but... Uh, the overall vibe is, you know, as uh, for as long as he's been going and for as established as he is, he has no particular desire to um, to slow down. He's he's using every available minute he has on this earth to uh, devote to animation. And, and long may he carry on. So uh, at the time of this interview, and in fact at the time of this very recording, uh, I've not yet seen the film in full. Uh, very much looking forward to doing so properly on the big screen at Encounters next week. But uh, there is a tantalizing trailer that Richard Williams himself has released. And if you go into squiggly.com, you can check that out. It's really quite something. But in the meantime, here is animation legend Richard Williams. It's been about nearly two years, I guess, since we spoke to you last. And it was really interesting to sort of get some excellent stories about your past and your career. And uh, toward the end, you talked a little bit about the project that you were working on. Which had the working title in your terms, Will I Finish This? Um, yeah. And uh, I guess is yeah. that prologue? Well, prologue is a separate film, okay. which relates to it, but it's done as a separate chunk. I see. Uh, I mean, it stands on its own feet. So I'm actually, for the first time in my life, I'm pleased with it, really. And that's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> There's always something. There's always something or several things that aren't quite right, you know. Mm. And in this case, it's all together. Yeah, I'm really pleased with it. How um, long has it been uh, in development? It sounds like I could say I've been fiddling with it for 20 years, but it's in between all, all this other stuff. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, it took four years to write my book, and then we made apps and DVDs, and, all, and, and then I did a lot of teaching all around the world and stuff. And And in between this, I was working on this one chunk. And uh, then the the last, really, it's been done in the last two or three years, maybe three or four. It's well over 6,000 drawings, complex, complex drawings. (laughs) So I would assume it's a traditional sort of hand-drawn approach. Oh, it's more than traditional. It's Uh (laughs) pre-traditional. I've gone back to 1900. (laughs) It's all in one. See, I'm really a figure artist who got sucked into animation. Yeah, and I, as I'm sure you know, when anybody handles realism, it starts looking pretty terrible. I mean, the the realistic princess is always the worst thing in the film. Mm. Nobody can handle real stuff, and I'm happy to report that I now can. So the whole thing is like life drawings. There is no cartoon aspect at all ah, to this. So it, it's not what anybody expects. Mm. And, uh, and, and, yet, and yet they're just the drawings. You see, if you, if the discipline I've followed is if I can't get it on one sheet of paper, then it doesn't go in. Okay. You see, there, there are no backgrounds, or the backgrounds such as they are, they're on that plain sheet of paper. So this forces the invention 
and and the end result it's it's you can see it's just uh, these things are drawings and, and but there's all this emotional stuff whereas it, it had to be colored or something it just wouldn't work so there's no compositing or layering no none oh. well there's no compositing in that sense i mean Arden has set me up a a marvelous little tailor-made camera setup. Mm-hmm. So I shoot the thing, and then it goes into the Ardman pipeline, and then they we grade it, you know, and take away the fingerprints and uh-huh. polish it up. So they they've been marvelously helpful, marvelous work. Mm-hmm. But basically, they're just the drawings. I hate layers. I hate cells. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you talking, um, I, th- I think it may have been a couple of years ago at Encounters when there was an anniversary presentation of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, huh? talking about some of the entirely animated segments of that film and how there are lots of shots where the background and the character animation are being animated sort of simultaneously. Yeah. Really, to this, I mean, to, you know, watching that opening sequence of that movie is still really quite stunning. So would, is that a sort of similar approach in the sense that we'll using the backgrounds as well as the character animation, do you get sort of moving shots perhaps within the film? It's it's doing the same things, but much, much more so. Excellent. The whole thing that interested me is uh, they're flat drawings, but I was always trying to push for space. Mm-hmm. And I hate this sort of flat look that, um, I mean, it's fine for, for certain things, but I always wanted to, I wanted to get inside the film. Yeah. And so I've drawn all the camera moves. They appear to be camera moves, but they're not camera moves. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm just drawing them. Yeah. And the students do that. Well, a student film, they they try to move through the trees or whatever. And, and of course, they don't know how to do it, and it usually doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. See? Now, and I've been pushing on this for so long that I finally, finally got it figured out and and so I can really there isn't a single cut in this animation it's all one shot so it just goes on and on and on it's pre-edited you couldn't take a frame out and it forces the invention and then partly because you haven't got layers and all that production stuff to you can think clearer it frees you it's a funny thing I mean Chuck Jones always said to me he said you know he, he he had rigid rules for the Roadrunner or Bugs Bunny or what he could and couldn't do. And he said, the tighter the restrictions are, the more you get the invention. And he's right. I think uh, the whole film's on those sheets of paper. That's it. Finish. <laughs> yeah, that sense of discipline and the certain certain rules in place that give, I guess, a kind of order to the universe of the film, perhaps. Then it just sort of feels a lot more grounded. You'll see, there's, it feels completely different, and it becomes hypnotic. When we ran it at Ardman, I mean, some of the guys, you know, they see me doing it, and we we stimulate each other and everything, but um, when we ran it for for the staff at Ardman, Peter Lord stood up and said, gentlemen, we have just witnessed animation history. <laughs> And then he said, no one else alive could have created hand-drawn animation of this intensity and quality. So I'm, I was very pleased with that. So it's going to be quite a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we showed it at Annecy, and it got a thousand people went bananas. They, they, I thought, when we showed it at Ardman, 
there was this two showings we did at lunchtime, and there was this long pause. It ended, and there was a sort of silence for a while. Then they jumped up and applauded. Mm-hmm. But at, at Annecy, a thousand people jumped up right away, and we got a terrific standing ovation. And mm-hmm. so that's something that it, you'll see. It's not, it's not like anything you've seen ever. Wonderful. I can't wait. I can't it, wait till encounters. I know. I do. I'm so yeah. disappointed I couldn't get to Annecy this year, but uh, they, yeah, it's such a wonderful sort of effervescent enthusiasm for animation you get there. It's so concentrated, and you can feel it almost in the air. Yeah, well, maybe it's not a fair crowd because they're so enthusiastic, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but certainly, you know, you're going to have people who will understand the work that's gone in, the labor side of it, and also the artistic appreciation. Well, I'm, it's it's a funny thing. But I don't even see the work in it. Mm. The first time in my life that I finished something where it just looks like you just fell off a log. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like there's any work in it at all. It's just the thing itself. And that's what I was always after. Mm. You know, when we're doing in the past very complex things and everything, you can see the work that went in. But with this, it doesn't feel like that. You're just watching the, the film. And that's definitely a first for me. And I guess it's all, the stuff I'm doing now is all the same. Mm. I've been freed somehow. <laughs> Excellent. How did you get to be sort of situated at Ardman? Um We 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 were just remembering this today. My wife and I. She filmed one of my. Uh, we we did a, a four day masterclass at Blue Sky Studios, and we decided to make a, a 16 DVD box set of really, the, the movie of the book. And um, we needed somewhere to edit all the material. And uh, we, were, we, were, we were thinking of moving to Bristol. And then Mo, my wife, went into Ardman and said, do, do you have any cutting room? Can we rent a cutting room from you? So they did. And we had the cutting room next to uh, Nick Park, who was doing the Loaf of Bread film. Mm-hmm. And we just gradually became part of the furniture. We we became friends with everybody. And then I started working in the car park here at <laughs> Gasbury Road. And now I've been upgraded into the old banana building, uh-huh. which really, and I have the nicest large room I've ever had. Marvelous atmosphere to work in. Mm. So we stimulate each other all the time. And, and I'm sort of this odd, odd duck. We've been there seven years now. And I'm, we both love Bristol and we're staying here. And I'm certainly going to end up here. <laughs> As being sort of amongst that, um, within those walls and amongst those animators, have you felt that perhaps that's had any kind of actual effect on your process at all? Yes. Yeah. They're, they're um, oh my goodness, there, there are several guys. Well, they're pushing their end of the thing to state of the art, and they're finding new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, I, I can say, you know, it's, it's marvelous for me because I'm this old bastard, <laughs> and these young guys with very similar ideas. Really, we're very extremely compatible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm surprised, and I think they are as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's tremendously stimulating environment. Uh, one of the things that I, I'm particularly fond of what uh, we've been doing here for the last few years is just how much I sort of find myself kind of reinvigorated and excited by new things that are happening in animation and sort of 
oftentimes we're quite fortunate enough to to see it up close as it's happening and uh I'm sort of curious is there anything new that's happening in animation that you feel particularly excited about nowadays um bits and pieces mm-hmm. I'm always seeing bits and pieces there's an awful lot of because of this tremendous boom that's never existed before people are finding all sorts of things you can do mm-hmm. this uh Michael Caine gave a master class it was recorded on film and in the middle of it he shocks everybody he's talking to the people at radar and he he says if you ever see something that really excites you you know that be piece of business that an actor is doing he said steal it <laughs> and they all go into shop and then he yells at them he says steal it because they did <laughs> <laughs> and and i think when things are going you just uh, you just think you know you find a thing and you can't resist it whether you steal it unconsciously or consciously mm. i think i steal very consciously mm. <laughs> or you grab a thing and then then try to extend it your way you know because they're just tools yeah. But it's full of ideas these days. I think it's terrific. I remember Frank Thomas, he wrote The Illusion of Life. He was one of the very best guys. And he said to me that he always admired what Willie Reiderman was doing with the shorts, with the goofy shorts and things. They were doing all these crazy things. And, And he said he was always stimulated by it because they were over in the feature department and he was doing the more believable stuff. And he said... God damn it, I never had enough time mm. to go over and, see, you know, just see how the hell they were doing this stuff. And that's how I feel. There just isn't time to be influenced, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so influenced by so much for so long that finally I'm just full speed ahead while I've got the time left, you know? It seems like it's all sort of fallen into place in some respects. Absolutely. And this is where I was always, I've sort of gotten to where I, I can do anything I think of. Anything I can think of, I can get it down. Mm-hmm. And and I'm surprised myself at the results. I mean, I have every now and then you you you, you get lazy and you make a few goose and sort of clean mud. But generally, it just pours out now. And even though it's a slow process, it's very very exciting. Mm. So I, I've never I've never felt like this. I've always Hell, I've been doing it for 60 years, so I, I should be in this position, but <laughs> I never, I never got there until recently. And I mean, it's wonderful as Artman. I have all the, all the, uh, stimulation and none of the responsibility, <laughs> except for my own stuff. The impression we get, and I think there's sort of any animator or anyone who sort of is active throughout their career, it's not always the smoothest road. And uh, there are all sorts of peaks and valleys, so it's always very nice to hear when things kind of, you know, come together and go well. And It's definitely up now, and it seems to be staying up. It's been up for seven years. Also, you see, the, the wonderful thing for me is I, I have nobody putting money into my work. So whoever has the gold makes the rules, mm-hmm. and uh, I make the rules, you see, as long as... I've, I've had people who've seen bits and pieces of what I'm doing, and they... they um, you know, money people, they, they want, want to, want to finance it. Mm-hmm. And I say, are you going to go away? Because as soon as you finance it, you're going to say things like, I don't like purple. 
take the purple out, you know, or my wife likes green and I want the woman's hair to be green, you know. I mean, then you're finished. Yeah. But this way, I mean, I don't even think, I don't have to think of any of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm free. And that's the way I started out, you know. The Annecy presentation that you mentioned before, was it just the one presentation or were there a couple? Because I know that you were quite a prominent guest this year. Oh, that's, we ran the the Academy, you know, the Academy restored the Thief and the Cobbler film. Uh-huh. So it's it's my version. It's called the Thief and the Cobbler, A Moment in Time. And it's the film as it was, as the work print was, the night we left it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it works as a complete feature. And Absolutely. and we ran that there, and that got tremendous reaction. When, and then on the closing night, we just ran the six-minute new film mm-hmm. prologue. So are there many other festivals. We're going to Norway, Spain. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with it. I'd rather be working than traveling the world showing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you feel that with that restoration of that film, I gather is something that you're quite happy with? Yes. It's, it's amazing because it's now, since it was the last one that was hand, hand coached and painted and everything, and the, the whole thing is become a historical thing, mm-hmm. you know, now. So it's taking the monkey off my back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did a wonderful job, very expensive, and, and, you know, we did the best they possibly could because we had a, a copy mode of producer, my wife, uh, made it the night we got the bullet. She made a print herself of the work. We sent it in for a slash dupe mm-hmm. on the night and, and we paid for it and we had this copy and Roy Disney was always going to restore it and he never got around to it. But finally the Academy decided to do it. And They've done a marvelous job. So I'm very pleased, you know, very pleased. Mm-hmm. It's freed me. Is there a plan to release that? Like this sort of version of it? Or is it just for screenings? No. It's just in a golden box for animation, for film history. Cool. But the Academy are very keen to have it seen in festivals and everything. But it's not done for money. They wanted to show it at Pixar, so they did. And the Pixar people said, oh, you've got to do a Blu-ray, you've got to do this, you've got to do all, we've got to have it, and all this stuff. But it's better that it's not commercial. Mm-hmm. It's just for art, in quotes. <laughs> yeah. And I guess artistically, it's something you can sort of perhaps draw a line under after having a bit of a rocky road with it. Oh, absolutely. No, it's absolutely, it's great. It's just there. It exists now. And it exists in its untrammeled form. Rough, but untrammeled. <laughs> it emerged. The victor. <laughs> I do like a good happy ending. It's nice that the, this is how it sort of wound up. Right. Uh, something that you mentioned uh, the last time uh, we had you on was um, how certainly, I guess, in the sort of earlier stage of your career, you were quite chameleonic in terms of your style. And oftentimes, I suppose, that's down to what clients want or styles of the time yes would you say that it's sort of better to to dabble in different styles while you're kind of working out your own artistic direction that way you have at least a bit of experience sort of in all sorts of different territories and then you know what is you at the end of the day well it's a complicated answer i had several marvelous opportunities to go to disney and work with the guys i admired and learn from them and had i done so i would have learned 
I would be working in the, the so-called Disney style. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, they have an awful lot of rules and formulas. But they, they built them up. They're there. They discovered them. But they, you know, gradually, after you become a revolutionary, things become rigid. And I would have learned the animation skills quicker. But working as a, alone, working as a chameleon, working on whatever came in the door, whatever style, whatever, it, it made me learn the principles devoid of style. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with, with a thorough understanding of the principles of animation, and then you could glue any style on it, you see. Mm-hmm. So, however, at the end of it, after the, after the rabbit and the thieves, and I dropped out of the industry as such, I didn't know what my work was like. I, I, I got so good at knowing what the client wanted mm-hmm. and being able to deliver it that I didn't know who the hell I was in a way. I was like one of those actors. And gradually, I returned to myself. So what you see now is, is me. This is just me now. It has no relation to anybody else. Finally, you know, this is me. This is, this is. So I don't know which would be the best way to go. I know that some people I know rather well work in the Hollywood industry. They, everything comes out looking, oh, they can't help themselves. And it's all good, but they're stuck with it. You know, they, they don't know what they draw like. So I sort of return to my, my old ways. <laughs> and uh, I'm very happy. So that was Richard Williams in a very good place, which I'm uh, delighted to hear. His new film, Prologue, will be playing at the Encounters Festival. You can visit encounters-festival.org.uk to check out the full program. Joining me now for the podcast is Mr. Kieran Argo, who is the animation programmer for Encounters. How are you, Kieran? Hello, I'm very well, thanks. Cheers, Ben. So yeah, you have seen Prologue, uh, of course. I've not yet. I'm Certainly after that interview, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing it before, but certainly after that interview i'm particularly intrigued because of what he's described i'm, I'm kind of finding hard to picture you know yeah. what I mean? like we think we've sort of seen it all in our position but uh well it's a hard one to talk about without giving it away but yeah. it, i've been watching animation films for you know long enough now and it's not uh, difficult to say that this is without doubt one of the the most incredible pieces of hand-drawn animation Mm. I've ever witnessed. To see the quality of the artwork is, it's it's second to none. You just Mm. won't find any work that comes close out there. It's very surprising. It's not the kind of work anybody, I think, would expect from Richard Williams. Mm. He's exemplary at motion and, and capturing movement, an absolute master in his game. And Prologue is for me the, the most exemplary piece of work I've, I've ever seen. Mm. The emotion that, that he manages to convey and, and he captures in, in some very surprising and shocking scenes, it truly is a remarkable piece of work. Mm. And I urge, I urge everybody to, to see it on the big screen, which I've yet to, to do. I, you know, I just can't wait. Well, I'm kind of picturing in a sense, because I, I, the use of human anatomy and the artists that I kind of think about when he says that is like certain works, say, by someone like Bill Plimpton or Joanna Quinn, like people who use very, very astute knowledge of anatomy mm. and draftsmanship 
to animation and then you know embellished in their own sort of styles in a certain way uh, obviously Richard Williams has always had that uh, that knowledge of how the human body works and how everything's connected to everything looking at the um, the animated survival kit lectures for example like the the animation tests that he does with stick figures pretty mm. much just how jointed the um, bodies are and how they can get such a certain performance out of them yeah is, yeah. is really sort of a measure of that sort of fundamental understanding of okay well, this is how everything works and this is how you sell an audience on absolutely believing it but is it more a case would you say of the drawings actually being genuinely sort of like true to life more than say cartoony yes i mean there's there's a realism in prologue it's intentional and it has this fluidity and, and there's a cleanliness to the, to the work as well mm. it's just so fine in in the artistry in in the artwork in the pencil so that'll be part of the Encounters animation strand. The program is Rise and Fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so something for people to look out for on the website. And uh, five other programs as well of uh, animation competition short films. I mean, it's thankfully it's not just myself taking the, the burden of decision-making. Mm-hmm. I do rely very much on at least two pre-selectors each year. And, of course, it's great to see some of the the films that that are already doing uh, appearing in, in other festivals and we do always have um, a good healthy number of the films that are of the moment mm. um, I mean this year we have to mention Don Hertzfeld's mm-hmm. uh, World of Tomorrow and Theodore Yushev and the, the Annecy Grand Prix winner Konstantin Bronzit's film mm. yeah. we, we Can't Live Without Cosmos these are established highly acclaimed artists and it's an absolute joy to to be able to screen these films but we also do approach the programming with with a view to to giving the light of day to lesser known films and and especially emerging artists Mm. as well encounters has always been about giving us sort of as much of a a helping hand to emerging and aspiring artists as well Mm. um so it's an intentional approach to to try and uh mix it up but obviously grouping the films in, in loose thematic programmes, also we, we try and um, package things that, 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 that there is a sort of loose connection thematically mm. and that will give people a bit of an understanding of what, what they can expect to see. So, mm. for example, with um, the programme one this year, it's called Sensual Delights. It's very much more looking at experimental films, mm. including you know the, the wonderful... Mirai Mizu from Japan mm. and the work Genius Expo uh, at the end of that programme is, is one of my favourites this year. As always, I mean, Mizu's work is wonderful, it's vibrant, it's so colourful, it's yeah. fluid, it's, uh, it's it's just, it's entertainment, but it's, you know, it's abstract and it's it's just a joy to watch. Yeah. It always has lovely music as well. Absolutely, yeah, the music's there such a... You can just tell he had so much fun making yeah. every aspect of that film, and it comes across. Mm. Yeah. There have been a couple of instances where I've been watching one of his films, and I'm not, I've not necessarily been sure I've seen it before. Like there are a couple that there's a certain sort of similarity to some of them, but it's nice though. It's neither that he's repeating himself or that the films are forgettable. It's that they're just sort of very easy to watch, very yeah. pleasant viewing experiences, and. You know, no real narrative through line, but you know, just just really nice visuals and animation, and yeah. that perfect interplay between visuals and sound. Absolutely, you know, it it is um, 
it is visual music in some respects and it has mm. it's not too demanding it's 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 easy on the eye yeah. but it has a trademark and so therefore there is a familiarity if you've seen his work before you, you'll you'll kind of recognize it mm. um before you necessarily know who it's by if, yeah. if you've seen it before it's trademark stuff mm-hmm. yeah so a few other um uh, filmmakers who i think have, have been involved in encounters before that i'm kind of looking forward to seeing new work from i know isabel fabez has a new film yes which, uh, yeah sort of playful almost dark energy there's a sort of there's a slightly unplaceable undercurrent to what sort of usually quite cutesy visuals a lot of cute animals tend to die <laughs> in an isabel favre's film i love um, isabel's work i mean she she was she very kindly um was one of our jury members for animation um mm-hmm. i think uh, two years ago so yeah i mean that that's that's in the friends and family program in program four i mean the good thing about her work and and all the other films in that program not only is it sort of suitable for all ages but it's uh, it is looking at the importance of, of friends and family and and uh, relationships elsewhere in the in the animation programs is there anything else that you'd recommend as say essential viewing one of my favorite films this year it's uh, by Estonian Preet Tender mm. I'm a bit of a latecomer to his work I, I became familiar with uh, the maggot feeder when this was submitted to encounters in uh, 2012 the maggot feeder is a is an ancient Chukchi folktale told in a, in a very striking almost monochrome style of 2d merged with live action faces and it made such an impact on me uh, a couple of years ago that uh, I was absolutely delighted to see that he's he's submitted his latest film. It's called House of Unconsciousness. He's researched what the most common themes of the dreams of chimney sweeps are. <laughs> and uh, he's made this amazing, dark and surreal landscape. And he takes it to a new level with, with this latest film, House of Unconsciousness. And it's in the, uh, the Late Lounge programme. Mm-hmm. I've always had the late lounge be a sort of recommendation for encounters. I've always found it very uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I think that Preet's because um, a maggot feeder. I know that that was one that Laura Beth sort of flagged for us, and uh, we have a nice interview with Preet about that. And that was definitely a film that you really can't go into it with any sort of preconceived ideas of what you're going to expect. It really no. does take you on its own journey on its own terms. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tremendous just, fun. I, it's I really wonderful. It. Yeah, it's yeah, really so. good stuff. I mean, Late Lounge is always one of the most exciting programs to put together. It's, it's uh, Gaia Miyuchi, who's, who programs all the live action side of things. We get together for a day or two each year to, to thrash out and make the very painful choices as to what what to leave out uh, mm. from the offerings for the contenders for the late lounge and and all the other mixed programs. And also in late lounge is uh, Man O Man. Oh, who, uh, yes. we had Simon on last episode. So it's again to re to reinforce the point we made last episode. It's a film definitely worth seeing. Uh, so. Yeah, there's some really good stuff. Really mm. good, quite out there films in this year. Mm. Definitely worth checking out. We've also got some fantastic, more industry-focused activities going on. We've partnered up with Next Gen Skills Academy this mm-hmm. year, and they're delivering two panel events looking at uh, careers in animation. And the second complementary event is uh, careers in, well, it's, it's animation in visual effects and, and games. 
we've got a fantastic documentary by Terry Jones, an old Python mm. guy, who's uh, it's called Boom Bust Boom, and it's an animated documentary looking at, uh, at the crises of late capitalism, and uh, uh-huh. it's uh, uh, the wonderful uh, Arthur Cox, Bristol mm-hmm. local company. They did a lot of the animation on that. Terry Jones himself will be. Um, here to take part in a Q&A after mm. the screening. I was um, going through the Encounters program with Laura Beth, who will be uh, there on behalf of Squiggly as well as myself, and uh, she's a very, very you know earnest contributor to the website. She's a little bit younger, so I'm like, oh, Terry Jones is coming to Encounters, and she's like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, you know, Terry Jones is right, and she's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, Monty Python and mm. and I'm sort of and she I know she's seen Monty Python films you know I, I, no matter how old you are everyone at least knows about it some kind of like going through the sort of you know Mr. Crayer so yeah. you know he's not yeah. the Messiah he's ever so like, oh yeah I, I think I know who you mean and I'm like um, he wrote Labyrinth and her eyes pinged open <laughs> like <laughs> dinner plates yeah. she's like what <laughs> so I think she'll be their front row setter excellent <laughs> excellent well Ter- Terry's been uh, a long time supporter of Encounters he, he's he's one of the patrons I think he was one of the first people to do Desert Island Flicks nice um, so I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that he's agreed to, to come back mm. this year mm. so it'll be a welcome return I think the animation on that one was um, Matt Walker and George Sander Jackson from Arthur Cox if I'm not mistaken who uh we had on the podcast a while back. They mm-hmm. worked on that um, Graham Chapman film. Oh that yes, Terry Jones that's right. Son directed. Yeah, that was um, uh, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they did a really good job on that, so I'm quite looking forward to seeing what they come up with there. One other thing I must mention: stories in the round. It's um, our old friends and partners, Nexus, uh, oh. Nexus Interactive from London. They're returning to Encounters to present their new virtual reality studio. There's going to be a sort of exclusive preview of the animated comedy called Rain or Shine, mm-hmm. which is one of these new 360-degree interactive short films from the Google Spotlight series. We had Glenn Keane as our mm-hmm. special guest last year, and he showed his wonderful, fluid, beautiful piece called Duet, which was, I think, the first film in the Google Spotlight series, mm-hmm. which is taking... A, it's basically using the viewer uh, to have an interactive... Uh, control over what they see and they can where they point their mobile device they'll mm. be able to to see Follow different action different action and different, and different yeah. yeah so it'll be brilliant to see uh, the nexus contribution to this google series was it felix who yeah felix massey who's um, ex uh, grand prix winner at his encounters he won the the grand prix uh, a couple of years ago yeah, he's he's the director of this this uh, comedy called Rain or Shine, and he's going to be on hand to discuss some of the creative challenges of telling stories in this new immersive format, yeah. as they say. Nexus will also be showcasing some of their new film prototypes that they've produced for their Altergaze headset. Uh, it's a VR headset, and that's created by their in-house directors, Liviu Berichet and Anthony and Alexandra Stanchu. So um, it'll it'll be great to get an insight into some of this cutting edge stuff that's going on. Yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what Felix's take on the Google Spotlight thing. Yeah, because uh, well, yeah. I can imagine that it will be quite <laughs> different from Glenn Keane. Yeah, you know, they're both. I yeah. mean, you know, they're yeah. both really 
Glenking, obviously, very, very established, very classically sort of trained and gifted, and Felix, very contemporary. Certainly, if you were to sort of look at something like uh, Christopher Gray and other films of his that have been popular, there's a certain identity to them mm-hmm. that uh, is, is quite far removed from, say, the identity of a film like Duet. So oh, yes, I'm glad yes. that Google are looking at a diverse range of artists for this, this uh, new platform. I think diversity is the name of the game with this yeah. Spotlight series. Wonderful. Well, Kieran, thank you very much yes, for pleasure. Uh, coming in. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for encounters. I'm uh, sure I will see you there. Great. And uh, yep. uh, hopefully some of the, the listeners will be up there too. We'll definitely be about pestering people and uh, you know an ever-present sort of haunting of all the screenings and events and things I'll like that. Look forward awesome. to seeing, seeing you there. And uh, thanks very much. Cool. Cheers. So thanks to Kieran and visit Encounters-Festival dot org dot uk and that has all the uh the information on when and what and why and who and it's a pretty rich exciting program i think that on top of what we were just chatting about there's some stuff that i i'm particularly looking forward to as well i know that um uh, vivian hallis will be presenting the new transfer of animal farm i think it's an anniversary transfer was it not uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. It's always nice to see some Hallison Bachelors stuff there. Um, we were talking earlier on about, you know, sort of celebrating our past and heritage and stuff in, in, in regards to, like, Danger Mouse and the Clangers and stuff. And uh, it's nice that Vivian's still kind of holding their work uh, aloft for everyone to see. And uh, Animal Farm, very important film as well. So, uh, yeah, that would be an exciting thing to see. Well, I've never seen it on the big screen, so I'm kind of... It's, the animation is spectacular. It's it's one of my favorite sort of stories. Uh, mm-hmm. I think as far as like adaptations of classic literature, it does a very good job. Also at the festival, the good people at Ardman are doing a comedy writing panel that involves some of the people who have been really kind of um, important in the the Ardman uh, uh, storytelling uh, side of things. People like uh, Mark Burton, ah. who uh, we had not that long ago, talking about Shaun the Sheep, the movie Shaun the Sheep, uh, which he was. Uh, a big part of, mm-hmm. and um, Darren Walsh, Meerkat Wrangler. And Angry Kid. Angry Kid, which has sort of returned. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things I kind of found out about by chance. It has sort of slipped under the radar, hasn't it? Considering it was when, when it first came out 15 years ago, however long ago it was. But yeah, it's, it's kind of snuck in there, hasn't it? The new Angry Kid. I, I kind of preferred the, it was a similar style. It was the guy in the pub. Bob. Remember that? Yeah, I, I always kind of preferred. Was it like recorded conversations or was it written? I think it was a record. I think. Well, yeah. they, they they said it was a recorded conversation, but they got quite a lot of material out of that conversation. <laughs> I think I um I think I preferred that approach. I think that really worked well with that you know replacement head style. Maybe maybe that maybe that's an Ardman thing. Are you talking about Bob? There is finding the comedy in something. Rather than, you know, obviously something can be written, but finding the comedy in something. Look at Creature Comforts. They're just discussions. But, you know, when they're isolated and, and you know, they, they get animated, then they become funny. That's certain. I mean, it's, it's so interesting how we can do that really well in England. And yet when America tries to take that approach, it always falls flat. Yeah. Hence Creature Comforts USA. Mm. Which was still a pretty good uh, series. And the animation was brilliant. Yeah. It wasn't so much what the show was, it was what the audience took from it. Mm-hmm. I just think it, you know, it, it just wasn't an audience that was conditioned to get why this is funny. Yeah. Uh, there is something I do think that is just funnier about a Brazilian guy talking about being a student in England 
Yeah. Just the bleakness of his predicament <laughs> that that you wouldn't sort of get necessarily. There's a certain kind of you just sort of you can picture the street that the houses are on on an overcast day that these people live in, you know, or the tenement buildings or the or the whatever or the you know the terraced houses. Yeah, yeah. Ardman certainly when it comes to written comedy, they you know chicken run visually written scripted stuff like Sean the Sheep. They know their stuff, so I think that a uh, an Ardman comedy panel is definitely going to be worth. One's time. Who else is on the panel? It's Mark and Darren and Rob Sprackling and Johnny Smith. That's going to be a good panel. And yeah, lots of other stuff. Ashley Baker Davis says that uh, they have their retrospective that'll be uh, making an appearance at uh, the Encounters Festival. And of course, the Late Lounge that we mentioned before. Arthur Cox are doing a drawing workshop for the kiddies. I think it's for the kiddies. So a jam-packed festival there, Encounters. We saw people to visit the website, but they should actually visit the festival as well, I think. Yes, and hopefully we will see you there. So that's all she wrote for now. Thank you so much to Richard Williams for taking the time to join us, as well as Imogen Sutton, producer of Prologue, Kieran Argo, animation programmer for Encounters, and Beryl Zambo and Kelly Hasbury, For all of their help getting it organized, you can follow Richard at RWAnimator on Twitter. His website is theanimatorsurvivalkit.com. The book is now available in iBook form, as well as the standard edition and accompanying DVD lecture series and iPad app. So all of the information on that is on the website. And again, Encounters is encounters-festival.org.uk. They're on Twitter at EncountersSFF. Squiggly's also on Twitter, at Squiggly, S-K-W-I-G-L-Y. You can find Steve Henderson on Twitter, at Mr. Underscore S underscore Henderson, and I'm at Ben L. Mitchell. My site is ben-mitchell.co.uk. A quick plug is that my new film will be playing in Paris at Croc Anime this Friday, September 11th, at 11.45am. Visit crocanime.wix.com slash site for details, and that's Croc, C-R-O-Q. And I'm also very happy to say that the new film will be screening as part of this year's Ottawa International Animation Festival. The wonderful folks at Leica will be screening it at their party Salon de Refusé at 11pm on Thursday the 17th. Any of you who are going to be there, please do swing by and visit animationfestival.ca for details on the Ottawa Festival. On that same night, this side of the pond, Squiggly have paired up with Rumpus, for their Encounters animation party in Bristol. It's always a nice night out for those of you in the festival mood, so swing by Kongs of King Street at 7pm on the 17th. We'll be delighted to see you. You can check out our events page for specifics and links and whatnot. And uh, Rumpus are also looking for animation to project throughout the night, so get in touch with those chaps at rumpusanimation.com if you have anything you'd like to send their way. And of course, for all the latest news, reviews, features, interviews, check out squiggly.com. And until next episode, happy animating. So the, uh, the new series of Danger Mouse, it starts uh, later this month, the 28th on CBBC. Keep your eyes and ears open as uh, I think it's not going to be the last you'll hear from us on the subject. They're going to be on a podcast soon, is what I'm saying. Do you think they got that? Maybe. I think they've okay. got it now. Good, good. <laughs> you can tell the, the respect for our audience just <laughs> bleeds through. Oh, cool. <laughs>